Welcome to the Fandom Outpost, your podcast for all things pop culture. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Fandom Outpost. This is our part two of our director spotlight, Michael Mann. As always, I'm one third your host. I'm Mark. I'm Jim. And I'm Bob. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. And we are going to continue. We stopped last time with uh, a film we all actually do love, really love, Last of the Mohicans from Michael Mann. It's what brings him into the public's eye. He made films before that. He was involved in TV series. People who were in knew him like, oh, that's a Michael Mann film and stuff. But that's what really got him uh, broadly looked at. And of course, he follows that up with, which I guess, arguably, everybody says is his magnum opus, Heat. I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> Anybody yeah, I mean, where do you begin with begin? this movie? So, it's, it's well, just a... do, you, do you begin with, it's like Godzilla versus King Kong. We have two titans of acting coming together for finally the first time. I know, right? With De Niro and Pacino. Pacino, right. Right, on screen at the same time, right? That's what all anybody talked about. Are they on screen at the same time? They are. So they have two scenes together. That's what's crazy. The movie feels like it's six hours long. It's only about three hours and something. (laughs) And they only have two scenes together. Because one is a criminal, a uh, robber, or excuse me, a thief. And the other is a robbery homicide detective. So why would they share screen time together? They wouldn't. But they have what is considered, um, if you are fans of The Dark Knight, there's a scene with Batman and Heath Le- Christian Bale's Batman and Heath Ledger- Ledger's Joker in an interrogation room. Everybody refers to that scene as the heat scene of Batman, <laughs> where you bring these two titans together. And this is Batman, the Joker, and the caliber of actors. So at the time, and I don't have when it came out, the movie, uh, 95, yeah. But it comes out, and that's all anybody could talk about. These two titans in the same scene together. And apparently it's a tourist attraction now to go into that restaurant and sit at that table. <laughs> sit at that it, yeah, and sit at that booth. That's They've funny. kept it going Admit for years. It. You'd be there. Yep. If you ever get a chance to listen to any of the behind the scenes for that movie, I strongly recommend it. Commentaries, directors, actors, because there's stuff that was done in there that's ad-libbed, that was reshot. That was, how do we light this? How do we do this circle camera around these two guys in one take? It It is, I, it's not my favorite Michael Mann film, and we'll talk about that, but I think it was a time and place where everything in the universe came together. And to this day, the one who gets talked about the most is actually Val Kilmer. He actually, his role, he, he gets talked about the most. There's a small role with Hank Azaria in there that, Al Pacino improvised where he's like, you know, because she's got a great ass and your head's all up in it. Go watch it, dude. It's hilarious because they always say Hank is Hank is there. He is. His look is real because he wasn't expecting Pacino to go off like that. Why do you get mixed up with that bitch? Because she got a great ass and you got your head all the way up it. Jesus. There's a recent um, interview on Variety magazine I saw with Michael Mann talking about that scene. And Mann says that his best takes are around five or six, I think. 
if you get to you work through the first three, four, just work through it, work through it, and then he hit that five, six stride. And then after to get that stride, he'd say, let, let me just, let me do a wild one. Let me just do, <laughs> let me do something. And let me do a wild Hazar- one. Hazaria didn't know about that technique. And he just went off, he went off on him on the wild <laughs> one. And Hazaria's just like, what the uh, hell? She's got a great ass. <laughs> Dude, I meant the first time I saw it in the theater. I let, I was in my seat and I went, oh. <laughs> I leaned back. I was like, what is he doing? That was a crazy moment to me and stuff. So Heat is the big screen culmination of a story that Michael Mann did in between his run on crime story and Last of the Mohicans called L.A. Takedown. Same characters, same script, same story. Uh, but this was to the big screen. And he had always wanted to bring, he thought the story of L.A. Takedown deserved a bigger canvas, quote. So, and he's not wrong. People probably still cite this as one of their top tens uh, of all time. As far as the crime aspect goes, it fits right in with what man does until arguably it is the number one climactic shootout in film history. What do you guys want to say about Heat? It had a uh, very stylistic uh, approach to a crime thriller again, which is uh, Michael Mann's calling card, but. I think it's known for that bank robbery scene, isn't it? The, on the streets, it was yeah, very at the realistic. End, that's the climax of the film. Yeah. yeah. Now, it, isn't it used by like police and stuff as as a yeah yeah, yeah actually like they the use it loading and unloading. Isn't that like it's like a, tra- a training thing now? Yeah, they use that in training for it. Yeah, Michael Mann said, "Well, I don't want to do motion picture style. I want this thing to sound like it should." So I guess the sound is actual sound of the shootout, you know, live rounds, not like real bullet rounds, but like the live rounds. So the, just the ricochets off the buildings, you can hear in the sound quality of it. Using that at the end, it really had people going like, holy cow, what is that? What's going on and stuff. So there's four or five deep characters on each side. So Neil McCauley played by uh, Robert De Niro, he's got four or five characters in his crew and then Tom uh, Sizemore in there yeah Vincent Hanna uh played by Al Pacino he's got four or five in his robbery homicide and basically it's a simple movie it's it's heist, about right? a big heist that wants to go down you know it's a, a robbery being planned oh and our boy Tom Noonan shows up at towards the end he's the one that puts <laughs> uh Robert De Niro onto the score it's considered man's best by a lot of people, it's referenced in so much. It's referenced in pop culture. Michael Mann has this, I call it the roller coaster thing, where it's like for you know two hours and 45 minutes, he, he brings you up the roller coaster. It's all character development. It's uh, character backstory and all this stuff where you're like, you are invested in all of these characters, even the ones that you only get a scene or two. And then he just turns it loose for the last 15 minutes of a movie. I consider him that type of director where you know your ending is going to be that type of ending. The shootout in downtown Los Angeles is the payoff, like Jim said. You know, police departments use that as training now. And you got John Voight, the fen- fencer, isn't he? The fencer, yeah, he's the go-between. So John Voight has a, a wonderful behind-the-scenes commentary about his look. He's got all this makeup. When people came to the set and they saw him, there was this murmur going around, be like, "Oh my God, he's really let himself go." Where, if you look at his character <laughs> in the film, it's all makeup. Like it's he's oh. supposed to look that way, but everybody was like, "Are you okay? Are you feeling all right?" <laughs> they really thought it was that's what he looked like because he hadn't been in stuff in a while. So, I thought that was a great story. 
So Vincent Hanna Al Pacino has a love interest who has a daughter. Natalie Portman is his daughter, is her daughter. So, and they got a, and there's a Miami Vice regular who plays the biological father. And he's not in the picture. Al Pacino's trying to fill that role. And it doesn't work. Our boy Wes Studi is one of the robbery homicide guys. I love it. Ted Levine. Ted Levine. He's another one. And the movie is split up into two acts, really. First act is all about them and their personal lives and how they handle it with the work that they do. He sticks to his mantra. So the Robert De Niro character does stick to his mantra. Guy told me one time. Don't let yourself get attached to anything you are not willing to walk out on in 30 seconds flat if you feel the heat around a corner. Uh, there is an inner... Oh, William Fickner. You guys remember him? You know who he is, right? Uh, name sound familiar? Oh, yeah. He's in, yeah, yeah. He, he's in Batman Begins. He's the banker in Batman Begins. Coincidentally, he plays a banker in this movie. And Henry Rollins, spoken word musician, singer, he plays William Fickner's right-hand man. So there's a little mini action scene in the beginning that gives you an idea of how these guys can go from zero to 60. The bad guys, by the way, they can go from zero to 60 in like 10 seconds. Kudos to Michael Mann for introducing us to the smart villain. There have been many smart villains over the years, but this movie is about two characters at the top of their game. They're both intelligent. They both make mistakes. Their love lives are for shit, but they are smart characters. They know what they're doing on either side of that coin. There's this, this, this weird cue, music cue at the end during the firefight for 15 minutes. That's all it is. There's no sound. It's the guys jockeying for position to get to De Niro's coming out of the bank. And it's just this music cue. To me, after that, I know that the public opinion of Michael Mann is like, eh, he never quite achieved that heat quality. But I'm, I'm going to start some controversy when we get down there. His follow-up is called The Insider. It's an amazing film. It gets uh, high sevens, 7.8 on IMDb. It only made $60 million. It had a lot start- of buzz, though, when it came out. I, yeah, well, you know why? It's, a, it's based on a true story of a, an insider in Big Tobacco who ratted out Big Tobacco. Right. His name was Jeffrey Wigand, uh, played by, oh, my God, one of my faves, Russell Crowe. And again, he taps Al Pacino to play the producer. And there's somebody else in this really high caliber. Christopher Plummer plays actually. Plummer. Uh, he 60 plays minutes. the sixty minutes guy, Mike Mike Wallace. Mike Wallace, yeah. yeah. So it's a true story, but it's it's high dramatics, and I recommend it. And it was great that he decided to do that. You know, it's like you know what I liken it to. I'm gonna throw out this for you guys. After Gladiator, what does Ridley Scott do? He makes a small movie, I think, with Russell Cole called A Good Year which is this weird independent type of small dramatic comedy. I recommend it. Go see it. It's a fantastic movie if you can ever get a hold of that one. And then he does the one that perhaps gets the most hype, Ali, arguably, guys. Oh, sure. Well, that's a yep. big studio picture with a big studio star and telling a big studio tale about a world, the world famous. World famous Foster. man, yep. Jamie Foxx is a tertiary character in there that got a lot of praise for his performance, more so than Will Smith, hmm. who got so a lot of Jamie praise Fox as well. starts to turn that yeah. corner from comedy. He's moving quick at this pace. He's on his way to Ray. Is this like, you know, Will Smith's I'm going for an Oscar bid kind of thing? 
It could have been. I don't know if he himself thought that, but dude, I mean, you look at the performances in there, even like the, the three and four down managers, Cutman, like it's a really good film. And kudos to Will Smith for, you know, this is as far removed as a Will Smith character. You know, this isn't him playing upon his his personality or his, his public, you know, persona. Mm-hmm. This is him doing a deep character study on a beloved sports figure and it's and he does it justice like you gotta it's hard because he still does look like will smith but he acts and sounds i mean he does a really good job i don't want to say impression but you know physical yeah transformation transformation and everything yeah yeah. Yeah. i remember when it came out it was like the big deal was that will smith threw himself so fully into this role right right the next three that man does he does uh collateral miami vice and public enemies i'm just going to briefly touch on miami vice which was the big screen version of his tv series it tanked it was a dud even though it made 163 million nobody liked it because they thought it was going to be heat 2.0 it had character build up until big shootout at the end public enemies got a lot of hype because christian bale and Johnny Depp, Depp. they threw themselves into those roles. Christian Bale has the tougher role. He's got to play the straight guy, almost like the Elliot Ness, you know, version Mm -hmm. of uh, what he's got to do. And it's basically the showdown between those guys, which is anticlimactic. If you know the real story, it's anticlimactic. They catch him. They catch Dillinger coming out of a movie theater, and a couple dudes are like, "Eh, "We're not going to go." Oh, Stephen Lang. Stephen Lang, I think, is the guy ends up shooting him. I want to circle back to a film called Collateral. Uh, very important for a couple of reasons. Important because Jamie Foxx coming off of Ali, so Michael Mann being impressed with his work, says, I'm going ca- to cast him for my next three movies. Ali, Collateral, Miami Vice. Collateral, uh, Jamie Foxx plays a cab driver. However, the antagonist of the movie is... Mr. Cruz. <laughs> Mr. Cruz. Right. Tom Cruz plays, if I've done my research correctly, the one and only time he has played a villain. And he changed his hair. He salt and peppered his hair. He did a crew cut. And Bob just made us watch his favorite clip from the movie right before we started this. Yo, homie. Is that my briefcase? Is it your briefcase? Yeah, it is. Why? You want it back? I want your wallet. What else you got for me? Huh? Fuck! Bob. I want to hear what you got to say about it. The two characters are what drives this movie, and it's Jamie Foxx uh, being held for fear of his life to transport Vincent, right, the uh, Tom Cruise character, to where he needs to go. I can't remember exactly what the mission of Vincent is. Vincent's mission is he has five stops that he has to make. I will pay you X amount of hundreds of dollars Mm. to take me those five stops because Vincent is an assassin. And he's got to get to these guys. Fox is fearing for his life if he doesn't. And every time he tries to make a turn to, to get out of the the deal uh, to escape, he's drawn back in somehow. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And and Cruz plays this wonderful villain. I mean, it's not it's a very unusual to see him play that cold blooded of a killer, right? As a character, he's usually such a you know the likable guy next door kind of thing the charming guy uh, yeah he's charming he's not too charming in this he's really a a tough badass he does start out charming that's the thing before he realizes what vincent does there is some nice charming 
thing. He's like, come on, man, what's your dreams, what's your hopes and stuff? Until he gets to the first hit, and that's when it all goes south. And that's when he turns into the, there's a switch. And I know that those people who love Tom Cruise, they're going to say that's that's why he's Tom Cruise. He's able to switch into that cold-bloodedness. And that's the remainder of the movie where he he's like almost prisoner, right? Would you agree with that, Bob? Yeah, hostage. Like, hostage. Oh, yeah, hostage. Playing, yeah, yeah. He's a hostage. Yeah. Was it uh, Mark Ruffalo? Is the uh, cop right? That's he's the honest. cop that's trying to unravel the case. What's going on? Because yeah. he, he thinks Fox is part of it. Yeah. Yeah, he thinks Vincent might be the killer, and a lot of people do. But Mark Ruffalo is like, I don't think so. Like, it doesn't add up at all. It's because Vincent doesn't allow himself to be recorded or seen, so he makes Fox do some things in the public eye, knowing that he's probably being watched, I guess. Is that a fair assumption to say, you know, he's being watched for that stuff? But I guess we should say this, too. In the beginning of the movie, Jimmy Fox is all about this cab life, and he has this picture of a tropical island. So, of course, he has this dream that he just wants to do what he wants to do and leave. He picks up a fair that is uh, Jada Pinkett Smith. We don't know what she does. We don't know anything about her. He, he picks up, and he takes her, and they have a wonderful conversation. She's enjoying it, and I think he's like, "Oh man, I should have should have talked to her and stuff or something." And so there's kind yeah, of a chemistry there. You find out that the final victim is her. She's that the one that heading to. Yeah, Vincent, Vincent is actually to. heading to the ultimate goal. It all has to do with this corporate shenanigans. She's going to blow the whistle on people. There's yeah, a funny scene in there when Jamie Foxx shows up to her and. She thinks he's crazy because he's like, you got to listen to me. You know, like he's really wigging out on it and stuff. And, I mean, how would you feel a dude suddenly walks up to be like, hey, I'm going to get killed. You know, so. Well, why do you why do you like this so much, Mark? Why, what, what strikes you? I'm it? not a fan of Tom Cruise. And the fact that this guy was like, the fact that Michael Mann has been the only dude in Tom Cruise's career that lured him out of being the hero the absolute star, and I saved the day to do this, has got to tell you something about the caliber of that director, which is why we're doing this part two, and we did a part that's one. That's true. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, a big, that's a big ask. And the fact that Vincent is so cold-blooded, so well-written, there's no redeeming qualities about this guy. We learn backstory, which is okay, but he's a 1.5-dimensional character that's like, if you cross my path, I ha- I'm I, like what a shark. Call that? Yeah, dude. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to do what I got to do. There's a scene in there where they go to a jazz club and they're talking to uh, Barry Shabaka Henley. There you go. Plays Daniel. Yeah. Well, they have a long talk with him and the whole time there's tension built up because you, you know that Tom Cruise is there to kill this character. And Jamie Foxx is just, he's a wreck because he's like, when it's going to happen. And at the <laughs> very end, Tom Cruise kind of gives you the impression that he's not going to do it. And then out of the blue, he does do it rather brutally and quickly. That sets the tone for a lot of it. Oh, and also, unlike man, who if you've listened to me for two podcasts now, or uh, I do the roller coaster thing, this kind of has that, but it doesn't. I, I do remember reading that it was one of his first digitally shot movies. He wanted mm-hmm. to get a certain look to it. Yep, it looked amazing. Uh, certain contrast like a different contrast look. It, it is an interesting movie to watch the it's the 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 color palette and everything. I do seem to remember it was well reviewed when it came out. They maybe particularly because Tom Cruise took a different role and kudos to yeah. him on that. A lot of the times he tends to be 
Tom Cruise and everything. You know, yeah. he, he's a, yeah. because he's a, a movie star of a higher caliber superstar, like people like him. And I always find like Jack Nicholson to me is always Jack Nicholson and everything he's in. Right. He's a yeah. personality versus a character. That Vincent character in Collateral is is so intense. And it had me. I got to say this, honestly, I didn't know what Vincent was going to do in the movie. I couldn't read his path. Bob asked me this a minute ago. What I really like about it, Jamie Foxx is every man. He doesn't, oh, I got my gun and I go up against him. And, no, no, he's a cab driver throughout the whole movie, you know? And when yeah. he tries to help and stuff, he's just the cab driver. Bumbling and, He's yeah, bumbling and person. all this stuff, yeah. So that's why I, I tell everybody, if you get through it, get to the climax, even though you're like, oh, okay, it's still, I think it's an absolute realistic climax. I think it's an amazing film. And it ends. It just ends. There's not, you know, are you going to run off into the sunset with me? Oh, my God, I love you. And it, it just ends. It's like, you know. Story of an ordinary man put in an extraordinary situation. I think that it should be talked more about, but unfortunately it gets overshadowed by heat every single time. I would like to say this, though. There is a, I'm not sure if it was Michael Mann's idea, but it's awesome. It's an in-universe connection with the Transporter series. So if you watch if you watch the beginning of the movie, the transporter played by Jason Statham, mm -hmm. uh, I think his name is Frank. He makes an appearance. He comes in. He's carrying a briefcase and he gives it to Vincent. So oh, he's delivering. He's nice. delivering what he usually does. He's transporting stuff. So uh, <laughs> I, people were like, "What?" <laughs> so I th I'm sure Man was like, "No, no," but it is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you can yeah, you can totally see it. He's. He's Otherwise, anybody else so. could have played that character, right? Anybody else could have played that character. The fact that he's in it for two fun. seconds, it's that's awesome. A, that's a fun. Absolutely fun, yeah. Well, what do you guys say? Oh, by the way, dude, five crates. I'm, it's, it's a 5-1 I, for you? It's a 5-1 for me, and that's why it's my favorite Michael Mann film. Michael Mann did a lot of uh, executive producing, and he did a HBO uh, series, Tokyo Vice. Tokyo Vice, that was... yep. I think he directed one episode. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I believe you're right. So yeah. it's got visuals, though. I have looked at it. It looks like Michael Mann, like it should, you know, but That's I haven't cool watched it yet. You know, he executive produced uh, Ford versus Ferrari, which yep. uh, I really like that movie. That's a really interesting okay. movie. You and I, claim, right? I guess his love of cars, which goes sounds like it goes way back, is leading to the next one, which is his next film feature film coming out in November. Ferrari, yeah. So that with Adam Driver as Ferrari, I'm 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 really curious to see that. Yeah. Don't you oh. don't you check out our Facebook page? No, I what? <laughs> check out our Facebook page. I, I only say that because Bob called me out. Hey, there's a page oh you should God. try. You should check out. It's called the Phantom Outpost. <laughs> <laughs> only busting oh you God. on that because Bob busted me on that last night. So. Oh my I was God. like, hey, this yeah. is pretty cool. This has come out. This, and he's like, yeah, you should really go look at our Facebook page. Oh, my God. That is hilarious. <laughs> Bob, we, have busy, get, we have busy Bob has lives. five stars on the day. That was awesome. Holy shit, that's funny. From the teaser trailer, it looked into Adam. I mean, I'm, I'm all in on Adam Driver, so he's a really interesting actor. So. I, the farthest, absolute farthest that dude can run away from Kylo Ren, please. Yeah, you know, yeah, people, know. give him some roles, man. Let him yeah, do some other stuff, please. Yeah, so... He can do it all too. I, he's been funny on Saturday Night Live. He's, he's yeah, funny. No, he's, he's got serious. Humor, so exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> undercover boss Kylo Ren. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say this for Kylo. I think he gets a bad rap. What? Yeah. 
He's trying to accomplish something that's never been done in the history of the galaxy. You know? Ridiculous. Rule everything? That's impressive. I, I admire the guy. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Look, I found Kylo Ren's lightsaber. Look at it up close. That thing looks dangerous, man. Poorly made, like a little kid made it. Then you don't have to look at it anymore! Uh, I, I'm 90% sure Matt is Kylo Ren. <laughs> I forget. That's the one. That is I amazing. That, that is absolutely hilarious. So Michael Mann's in this certain category. Uh, he's in our Martin Scorsese category. He's in my Ridley Scott category. There's these guys, and eventually we're going to have to freak talk him. about it. But, yeah, Freak Him, who we lost uh, recently. I just don't see – I'm not sure if we're seeing the caliber. There's good movies, okay? Like, A24 is kicking ass with everything. They're making amazing films. But yeah. I just don't know how I feel about any directors yet. Like, I'm not familiar with a lot of stuff. Although, I'm going to do a quick shout-out. I watched The Green Knight. You guys watch that? That's, no, I that's good things about that. That's no, an A24 film. Holy shit, is that a visual masterpiece? But I just don't know about directors. Like, I think that we, we got these guys that uh, – Yeah, these legends that we grew up with that – it's almost like I feel sad because Michael Mann can't take on an apprentice. Like, they don't do that. Nobody does that. You've got to have your own vision. Mann was influenced by Kubrick. I know uh, Dr. Strangelove was a big influence on him. Who are the up-and-coming directors that are influenced by people like Mann? Edgar Wright is arguably one of those guys. He's influenced by a lot of directors that he makes not only fun, but visually good movies. Visually great movies. Sorry, Edgar. Like, he, he makes really good movies. If you haven't seen his stuff, uh, you know, I recommend diving into the Edgar Wright universe of what he does and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Let us know your favorite Michael Mann, right? Yeah. Let as us always. Know your thoughts yeah, on him. Yeah. Follow us at the Phantom Outpost on social media and everywhere you get your podcast. We really do appreciate if you like and subscribe. It really means a lot to us. I mean, we're just doing this for fun. And we hope you guys enjoy watching and, uh, get something out of it appreciate the time you spend with us absolutely that'll wrap it up for today thanks for joining thanks, us guys thanks for joining right. us everyone see you next time